Hey, this is former WWE superstar and ECW original, The Blue Meanie. And you're listening to me on BBGWrestling.com. Okay, so with me today, I am extremely honored to have the evil referee, Mr. X, Dangerous Danny Davis. How are you doing today, sir? Very well, thank you. How are you? Pablo, uh, is it? Is it, it Pablo? It is Pablo. Well, it's technically Paul, but, you know, kayfabe, we've got to, you know, it's my kayfabe yes, name, Pablo. Okay, kayfabe. <laughs> wow, it's all right over there. Wow, how are you doing to, over there in England? I'm good. Yeah, no, it's it's cold, but, you know, you're from the Northeast, so I'm guessing you're used to just cold weather at all. The same. You know. The same here, yes, yes. Yeah, it's yes. Pro- it's probably more extreme where you are, you know. Um, yeah, well, it's uh, 40 degrees now, about 40 degrees. We're about the end of winter. Mm-hmm. So, but March could be... Uh, cold at times, yeah, but it's pretty much at the end of winter, so we're going into spring. Ah, uh, good. So, yeah, spring's my favorite time of the year, personally. Yeah, granted, mine too. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm here with Danny, and Danny has a new book out, uh, written with uh, Kenny Casanova, who has written books with Kamala and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, and they were both um successfully funded via Kickstarter. Um, your book is through WOHW Publishing, and it is called Mr. X, The Life Story of Dangerous Danny Davis. And I'm sure it's going to be a great read, but I want to um, ask about your relationship with Kenny, because I know Kenny um, likes to support professional wrestlers as well, and you know he has been involved in wrestling for a long time himself. Um, how did you and Kenny get together? Did he come to you? Well, there's a, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Scott Wilder, Yes, who, uh, he's a promoter, isn't Scott he? Scott promotions, promotions, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that guy, there, you got a, I got a, a, you know, a contract with him, and uh, you know, he tells me things like, "Come on down, we'll have a, you know, go out and have a good dinner," and then we end up at McDonald's. You know, that's the kind <laughs> of guy. He, <laughs> he told me I'd be staying at the Sheridan Inn, and then he pulled in his driveway, and he's got the name Sheridan over his garage, and that's where he wanted me to yeah, he's quite a guy. All, all he feeds me is pizza, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you and you and Kenny so, hit it off, hit it off straight away. So anyway, um, yeah. I was in, uh, I was with uh, Scott Wilder Promotions, and uh, Kenny uh, has a list of, of a laundry list of, of wrestlers, and uh, Scott Wilder start promoting and bringing bringing talented from the from the from my era. So he called me one day and asked me to come up, and we were in this. Uh, New England Wrestling Hall of Fame, which is now in Texas, but and I ran into Kenny Casanova, uh, and he had mentioned that he does books and that he would like to uh, for me to consider doing a book. And at that time, everybody was doing a book, and I said, "Now, nah, now, nah, unless you know, everybody's writing a book, you know, about this stuff. Maybe, maybe later." Yeah. So he called me back, and uh, we got together, and we came up with some different concepts for the book. And my book is different from any other wrestling book that Kenny has done. And it's a, uh, a, a book for inspiration. For, yeah. for See, because, uh, well, who may as well get right into it. I was a street kid and stuff like that and came up hard knocks. You know, I was a street fighter as a kid, as a young boy. And I was on my own since 12 on the streets. Uh, and uh, I got into wrestling. And, 
due to my uh, background as as a fighter and stuff like that, you know, having been on the bad end of things, as it were, yeah. most of my life when I saw opportunities, uh, I, I knew to take advantage of them. And, uh, so we came up with a concept that we would do a book and make it inspirational for younger generation, uh, teenage kids, or anybody really, an adult, who has dreams and, uh, and letting them know that with a lot of hard work and persistence, uh, uh, dreams don't come uh, to fruition by magic. It's a lot of hard work. It's a sacrifice and stuff like that. So we've written a book so that more kids will find ways to live their dreams and be encouraged to do so. And, and that's the whole key to our book. That's awesome. When I was reading about it on Kickstarter, um, it immediately reminded me of, and I don't know if you've read it, but Bobby Heenan's second book, um, which he wrote after uh, surviving cancer at the time. And um, it's very much uh, an inspirational book and a, like a book that you can come back to as well more than once. You know, it has a lot of reread value to it. And, you know, I have a feel like your book is obviously going to be the same way, which is, um, which is awesome. So like was um, Kenny, Apart from your career that we've we've all seen on TV, was Kenny familiar with your life story before that? Or um... no, no. See, that's why it was a couple of years. You know, he would call me, and we somehow get on the subject of my life prior to wrestling. Yeah. And after I went into some of the uh, things that went on in my early life as a young young man and a, and a teenager and stuff like that we started to develop uh, uh, this, this, this project because what was happening to me, he said, Jesus, this should be a movie. <laughs> and then uh, a few months later, he called me back. He was going down the street, he said, after school, and he was thinking about what we talked about. And he said, hey, I have an idea. And he came up with the idea of, of the book, as I say, as an inspirational book and stuff like that. And we went with it, man. And it took us a good time, good long time, conversing back and forth on the phone and meeting each other and writing back and forth and, and stuff like that. And finally, you know, we got something together. We started putting it together. And he started writing it. And before I knew it, the book was done. We put, we found old pictures. We, we did a lot of research and went into my old, where I used to live and got pictures from that era and streets that I used to live on and buildings I used to talk about and friends of mine and, and, and all that stuff. And, and it turned out to be a hell of a book. Yeah. I mean, how was it for you to uh, revisit some of that stuff? Was it, was it some of it painful to revisit or? Not, not really, uh, uh, probably because of the following. I lived a tough life. Yeah. I had to survive. And a lot of people out there have done the same thing. And unfortunately for them, they didn't have the the uh, uh, breaks, that, let's say, that I had, and it w weren't able to get off the street. And a lot of my friends didn't make it off the street. And I can go to the cemeteries today, and, and there's a lot of my friends there that didn't make it. Yeah. So, uh, not it wasn't painful to relive, but it was sad in that anybody, any child or any man or any woman to have to go through stuff like that and live like that. A street kid is a very tough, tough life. Uh, it's very uh, re uh, rewarding to know that, hey, 
with a little inspiration and a lot of tough work and worth ethic, worth ethic, yeah, work ethic. Yeah, I made it. I made. It. I succeeded, and that is why I'm trying to put this over as an inspirational book because I want kids to read I and mean, people, anybody. And you don't have to be a wrestling fan to, to read this book. Yeah, that's the good part about this book. But it does have aspects of my career in it, which you know, I that's my dream. So uh, to present the dream as it was. Uh, is is a living proof that any child or anybody can live a dream if they put a lot of work into it, and it doesn't happen by accident. It's not magic. It's a lot of tough, tough work. So I I love that, and I really can't wait to read the book as well because I think, it, like I say, it's going to have maybe well, definitely more like longevity to it because it has a use to it as well it's not just a story it's you know something that people can turn to for advice and inspiration as well so i think that is really cool um well we're going to uh we have plans after we after a few people pre-read the book i came up with some ideas that maybe i should go into boys clubs girls clubs uh high schools yeah and other places and just have talks or, or i don't know how to say it but to meet with these kids and, have, and, and, and talk with these kids and uh, help them with their inspirations and, and to let them know that the dreams are possible. Absolutely. So that we might do that also. So you're right. So the booking, after the book is long gone, we can still do this and help kids out and help people out. Absolutely. I mean, and, and if you can't answer like this question, then that's, that's fair enough. But are you currently under a WWE Legends contract? Because obviously there's been yes. the Mr. X card and all that kind of thing. So are they... Yes. Is that I, I love that there's a Mr. X trading card, by the way. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that like blew, that like blew my mind when because I, I I do have a large wrestling collection as well, and um, yeah, I, I love that there's a Mr. X <laughs> trading card. Um, That's great. Um, so it, with the um, I, I don't know, not the agenda, but like sort of the spirit and the meaning behind the book. Um, is it like have WWE maybe like been in touch with regards to no. you know the no. be a star no. campaign and all that kind of thing? Because no, no, I think that's something um, that they will like they should take notice of as well because you know it's an inspirational thing to you know see someone who has come from your background to again make it and um and uh, that's something that you know could only be a good thing for them to have as an ambassador or something like that. But I'm, I think I'm trying. I'm mentioning it as, as as if I'm trying to like get the you know get you work or something. <laughs> well, we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it takes us. Yeah. You know, right now we're interested in that. As as I said, we got a three thousand dollar, a very minimal amount of uh of, of a goal on the Kickstarter. Yeah, and you just and, uh, you're about halfway there. We like to meet that goal. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure the great fans of England will help out, and uh, you know, over here they're they're, they're great fans also. And uh, this is a very interesting book, as as you pointed out. Mm-hmm. And I think that we'll reach the goal, and when we reach that goal, we'll we'll continue on, and uh, I hopefully that uh, we can do some more for for your country as well as you know England all over Europe, That's and hopefully we can even come there someday. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Well, there's 18 days to go, and you're just about halfway there as well. So I. You know the reaction to it seems like looks like it's been great so far. Um, so going back in time, because um, you know again, there's like a lot of stuff I would love to ask that maybe maybe stuff that you haven't been asked before. Because I, I kind of ask like really weird questions sometimes. But <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So, did you, being from the Northeast, did you mainly go to, like, sort of Boston Garden MSG shows? Were you, like, predominantly a WWF or WWF fan, or did you watch anything else at the time? No. You didn't watch <laughs> no, anything? No, okay. No, I, I, I just got right into wrestling, uh, putting up rings and uh, doing concessions and putting up chairs and stuff like that early on, and... I was still in high school and stuff like that, but that was my first introduction to wrestling. I had no idea, really. Uh, and the, and, and the, uh, those were for WWF shows as well, weren't they? So did well, they were, they were WWWF. Yes, that was Vince Vince Senior. Those shows were way back then. Yes, yes. So it was, um, that, was that was Boston Garden and Madison Square Garden and and all those. But yeah, I I was. Uh, uh, Never, you know, before that, uh, much of a fan or even had any knowledge of, of the wrestling world. So, was it Vince Senior who um, discovered you, or did you go to them? Or no, I. Uh, what happened was I used to uh, go to uh, a couple of local shows when they were in town, and I uh, ran into a guy who was putting the ring up, okay, the wrestling ring at the venue, and he would ask we would hang around out there and he would ask us to help put up the ring and he would give us a ticket for the, for that night's show. Uh-huh. And with the agreement that we would take it down after, well, a lot of guys would beat it after the, after the show, you know, and, uh, wouldn't help take it down. But I hung in there again, opportunity. I'm looking for an opportunity to get it, get my foot in the door here. Yeah. So enter and some money, you know, maybe sleeping in, in, in a car instead of, you know, on the street. And so it worked out because, uh, after a few times, he said, "Hey, look, you know, we're local here, and uh, can you meet me at this school at this time, and this school uh, or this this place at this time?" And and I said, "Sure, I'll get there." You know, I always made it there some way, but I had to take a bus or something like that. Uh-huh. And if it was an overnight thing, you know, I would go with him in a truck, and he would we would stay at a hotel, of course. You know, when, when a, a motel it wasn't a great place, you know, mm-hmm. and then go out to the next town, Springfield, Mass, and, you know, they were within a couple hundred miles of each other, and then he dropped me off back around where where he, where he picked me up, around my home there, around my town, and uh, and uh, that's how I started. And then, uh, you know, the rest is uh, kind of history, because I just worked my way up from there. But so, that's how I got into it. That's how I actually started. So how was life back then? Did you have aspirations to do something in particular or was it just a day-to-day make money sort of thing well i'll tell you when i first went to my first match it was at a famous arena uh it was a very small arena but every friday night there would be wrestling there my sister took me there at a very young age i think uh, you know i met her I met her there or she picked me up i can't remember how we got there but uh i went to my first match and uh, i got hooked I was hooked after, you know, that I, and uh, I knew, I told, looked at my sister, I said, you know, someday I'm going to do that. And she laughed, you know, and she said, she laughed. She said, yeah, you make, <laughs> I, you know, Dan, that's, that's nice, but I don't think, you know, because I was a street kid, I was, a, you know, a bomber, I was, a, you know, street fighter, and, and no one believed me. No one even, you know, but I knew from that minute on, I knew in my heart that someday somebody, I would be in that ring and they would be watching me wrestle. That's amazing. So, so it's kind of a two-part question. Um, were you working out at the time, and uh, were, were there any wrestlers in particular who captured your eye? Because I mean, I'm guessing what late seventies, so it'll been like Billy Graham and um, well, Monsoon. that was uh, no. I would, uh, uh, of course, this guy was. It would put up the ring, and they'd let him wrestle, and 
he would go to the gym in the morning. I would go with him, but I was, I had no interest in that stuff. Okay. I mean, I was, you know, I was just interested right then and there to making what I was making and moving on and having fun afterwards and stuff like that. I was still a kid, you know? Yeah. Uh, and so I had no, uh, idea how it was going to happen. And it took years. Like I said, it just didn't happen overnight. I was like 16 at the time. Uh, and, uh, it took a lot of, you know, five or six years before I even started to think about uh, refereeing at all or whatever because uh, I was just happy just making money when I was when I could and and uh, having uh, a little extra pocket change to maybe get a, a sm- small place to live or a room to, to, room to rent yeah. during a week so I have a place to sleep, you know. <laughs> so I was doing pretty good. So I wasn't really thinking about that aspect of it. Uh, so in the UK, um, around 15 years ago now, there was a show called Wrestling Classics, which showed a lot of the um, the championship wrestling shows from 82, 83 sort of thing. And um, you were refereeing on those shows and you had longer hair at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just a lot of fun to see it because um, were you wrestling as Mr. X at that point as well? Or was that a lot oh, of I don't think so, no. I, I, uh, it was many years, like I say, that I refereed and. Uh, or I, as a referee, you have opportunities to. Uh, I was putting the ring up. In fact, the guy that hired me got fired, and I had the ring, so yeah. I was going around and uh, putting the ring up. And uh, uh, did that include I, drag- I got, did that I got include- advanced to, to to be a referee. Yeah. I got an opportunity to be a referee, which I took that up, that advantage of that opportunity, and I became a referee. Uh, and then being around the wrestlers. Uh, they would go to the gym every day, so I would go with them. And then a couple of guys uh, took me under their wing and helped me to work out, showed me what to do, who to stay away from, what not to do in the gym, and you know what not to use and stuff like that. And then after a f- couple of three years, uh, uh, you know, I got an opportunity to one night to wrestle under a mask and uh, where the guy was helping me work out and stuff like that, where they were shorthanded. It was a ice storm. Somebody couldn't make it. Uh-huh. And so he used to work out with me privately and, and in, in the gym and stuff like that. And then, you know, I would go to TVs and Poughkeepsie in New York and stuff like that. And as Mr. X and, and uh, do both. I, and when I went to arenas, I would set up the ring, I would referee and then I would wrestle, you know, did every, you made, uh, you made the, the popcorn all on the same night. <laughs> you made the popcorn, you, uh, you know, Clean I did everything. <laughs> Chief cooking battle wrestler. Yep, I did concessions. I set up chairs. I set up the ring. I refereed. I wrestled with Mr. X and all that stuff. <laughs> so all in one night. And then I'd pack up and I'd put it in the truck and I would drive another 200 miles to the show the next day. And, you know, I never missed a show. Oh, wow. So um, um, I can so imagine it. Ethics. The yeah. ethics. You know, I always knew you have to work hard. And the more I did, the more people said, "Geez, this guy does everything," you know. <laughs> and more and more people started enjoying my being around me, and I enjoyed being around them. And then I started going in the, with the in the gyms, and I started working out, you know, fooling around at first. When I set up the ring, there would be a couple of wrestlers come in, and they, you know, kind of warm up and do some some moves with me and stuff like that, and and uh, you know. It just grew from there. Yeah, I mean that is that is one thing I've noticed about sort of a lot like guys who came in around your time who lasted a long time is that they were good at a lot of things. Like someone like Jimmy Hart, who you know he could manage, he could you know write music and do all sorts of things. And um, that's right. Yeah, I think work work ethic was definitely appreciated uh, by the McMahon's by the you know just from an outsider's point of view. So yeah, and, and, and it wasn't easy. Yeah, for anybody. Yeah, I mean we worked day and night. 
You know, we work sometimes we work nine shows a week. You know, people say, how can you do that? Well, you know, you get on, a, you, you wrestle, uh, say, eight o'clock at night in Boston. You get on a Learjet, you fly to the West Coast. You get up in the morning and have a show at noon, eight, uh, West Coast time. And you get on another Learjet and fly to Texas and do a night show there. And then get on a Learjet and go to Florida, you know. So, yeah, that's what we used to, And it was hard work. It wasn't easy, yeah. you know, for nobody. No, I, I, I heard the tra- the travel was brutal back in. Yeah, you're on the road, you know, most of the year, uh, you know, and it's, as we pointed out at the beginning, the dream that you live, you're you're experiencing it, but it, it's a cost. It's a cost. It's a hard work. You, you lose family, you lose friends, you miss holidays, you miss uh, birthdays, you miss your child's first. Weeks steps yeah. you, you miss his first birthday or her first birthday and you miss christmases you miss thanksgivings you know and this is what i'm talking about it's a lot a lot of work it's hard it's not easy it's lonely and uh the ethics you have you know your self-esteem your self-confidence uh, it will get you through all that yeah but you, but there, there is a price yeah no totally um well, I, I kind of want to, because um, again, I've got like quite a few things to ask, but I don't want to take too much of your time up. Um, Anytime, take as long as you want. <laughs> um, did this, um, this question's out of curiosity as well. So when you refereed very early on, um, did you have tattoos back then? Because obviously you wrestled, or you refereed yes, with a lot yes. of shirts. So well, what, <laughs> was that like a thing that you had to have your arms covered up even before you became like the evil referee sort of thing? Yes. Yes, that was the whole idea of the top, the shirt on top, because I had uh, street tattoos. They were very attractive. They were very poorly done. <laughs> and very few people wore that. You know, you're the first person that ever asked me that. Oh, really? And, okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, really. That's a, that's a good question. I mean, I, I've never, but that's the truth of it, yes. Yeah. I had some real uh, street street kind of tattoos, and, and Vince McMahon was very set against that, you know, so I was always had to have a long sleeve shirt on to cover my, my tattoos. D- and d- if you watch Mr. X videos, you'll see some of those terrible tattoos on my arms <laughs> and stuff like that if you look close. And uh, uh, that is why when I turned to Dangerous Danny Davis, they made me wear that top thing that I hated so much. That looked but, uncomf- <laughs> That looked so uncomfortable to wrestle in. Uh, well, it wasn't uncomfortable, but it was uh, annoying because, I, you know, I worked out hard. I was proud of my body and stuff like that, but they wouldn't allow it. And I even asked them if I had the tattoos redone, you know, but they would, you know, they said they would prefer that I, and I wasn't going to cause no, no, no waves. I would do what they told me to do when they told me to do it. Yeah. And uh, without question, because, you know, uh, you're in a business where uh, you could be replaced in, in a matter of, oh, I could end at any minute, you know. So oh. you just did what you were asked, and that was it. So, yes, in answer to your question, and that was very observant. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when you refereed early on, um, did you take to it straight away, and did you have to learn the differences very quickly between refereeing a house show and refereeing TV? Like, did someone take you under their wing and uh, teach well, you? Well, kind of, sort of. I mean, I watched... Uh, and, you know, again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into something here. When I did it, when I first broke in this business, the thing was, if you were a new person or someone coming up, if you were a job or whatever, yeah, you were expected. You were forced, but you were expected to. When you were done with your refereeing or when you were done with your, your wrestling uh, match, you would sit and watch. Yeah. 
and learn and observe. You'd watch tapes. You'd go to shows when you had days off. You'd get an opportunity to go see another show, a spot show or what they call or, 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 um, someone else. Uh, this show, like Killer Kowalski used to run shows. I used to go there and uh, and watch and learn. So when I stepped into the ring as a referee, I knew pretty much what I was doing because I talked to all the referees and they would give me advice and stuff like that. And some of the wrestlers would tell me some things. And, and no, so my first match as a referee, I did great. And it wasn't long after that that the wrestlers started asking for me personally to do their matches. Oh, really? So I went right into it. I had no training at all. It was just uh, something that I was natural for. Were you taking bumps as a ref early on? Or was that, I guess, like referee bumps weren't really as much of a thing at that time? Um, no, they weren't. They weren't. You weren't involved most of the time. Uh, you know, you did your job and that was it. I mean, there wasn't, uh, the referees were only used very rarely when they wanted a DQ or something like that. But no, we weren't, we weren't used taking bumps. Mm-hmm. Um, but with um, Mr. X, did you um, look at other masked wrestlers to learn sort of how to work with the mask sort of thing to express yes. pain and all that kind of thing? Yes. Was there anyone in particular? Yes, that's a good question. Another good question, yes. Pantomime. You've got a pantomime. you got you got no facial expressions. Yeah. And you've you got a pantomime. Uh, you gotta, your head's got to move more. You, in fact, I still do it today. Sometimes I'll be talking. My head will be bobbing up and down. I'll be weaving <laughs> around, you know. That could be from punches too, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you you have to pantomime. You have to do. Uh, you have to work a little harder to to uh, sell the punch or sell the you know whatever. Yeah. You know, way to grab your head. No ways of doing it. So yes, in answer to your question, yeah, I watched a lot of uh, mass superstars, uh, male maskers, and there were a lot of guys. There was black demons. There was the red demons, and I was, you know, booked as all of those at points in time too. Yeah. Whatever name they used, but there were legitimate guys there that that wore masks all the time. That uh, that would, you know, I would watch and watch and watch and watch. Yeah. And uh, so people don't know that, but see again, ethics, work ethics, working hard, observing, taking advantage of opportunities, and and you know when you want to do something. You take advantage of every opportunity you can to better yourself so that you can do it. Absolutely. So, with um, Mr. X, was he ever a mast? And were there any um, storylines that you were involved with at the time? Because was... no, no, Mr. X was just a, a guy, who, as they call him today, enhancer. Just an enhancer. <laughs> we so... call him we call him Jabonis. And then... <laughs> <laughs> did you ever not, Did you ever get the chance to not, do like so? They're, they're, they're not able to use that term anymore. <laughs> but uh, as 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 a, as a People have the misconception that uh, a job guy doesn't know what they're doing. But uh, as a fan, you probably know that without someone like me, Mr. X, or anybody else who who does those those things for people, yeah. And everybody's done it. Hulk Hogan's done jobs in his early career. Everybody's done it. Yeah. And for other people, and it's you learn so much. And those, and they, and the, you know, I was a hell of a writer. Oh, yeah. You know, you have Absolutely. to be, yeah. you know, and if you're not, then they don't even want to be with you. Even to put them over, they don't want to be in the ring with you, mm-hmm. you know? And I've had some compliments, some great compliments from some wrestlers when I was Mr. X saying, Jesus, they need, you know, more guys like you in there. You know, this is, that was great. Thank you. You know? So, I mean, you know, it's just, I mean, that was a natural thing for me too, you know, just to do, you know, what I had to do. Yeah. 
No, absolutely. But with with Mr. X, you know, and you weren't, in my mind, the... I, I hate the term jobber, but you weren't the, you know, the kind of the guy that they bring in who lives locally in that city. You were kind of full-time on the roster at that point, or or at yes. least a, a full-time yes. employee sort of thing. Um, and you yes. were regular on TV sort of thing. So um, with, there were never... The reason I, not to interrupt, but the reason I was a regular on TV is like I just pointed out. Yeah. I, did, I was good at my job. Yeah, you know they wanted me to be there. They wanted to work with me. They wanted me to, you know, be the guy to pull them over. Yeah. So, were there any uh, particular favorite matches as Mister X during that time, or any oh, favorite yeah. any favorite opponents? Yeah, yeah that, but I, but they're in the book, <laughs> <laughs> which is available at, at um, <laughs> on Kickstarter, and you can go yeah. through dangerousdannydavis dot com. Yeah, see that perfect. We'll um, we'll we'll put those yeah, subtle. Dangerousdannydavis.com, You got to go to the link for the Kickstarter. Okay. <laughs> yeah, about as about as subtle as a brick to the head, but yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a good guy. I don't care what Scott Wilder says about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't listen to Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Kenny, Kenny, yeah, he's another guy. No. <laughs> so um. Oh boy. So when was the last matches, uh, Mister X? Was that around? Around 85, 86, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was. Uh, I, I was. Uh, yeah, about eighty-five. They decided to do this thing with me with the with the uh, Heart Foundation and stuff like that, and I had no idea. Yeah. Believe me, I had no idea it was taking place. I just knew that they uh, were pleased with the POFOE thing, and uh, somebody must have spotted it. I don't know how it developed, uh, whose idea it was, but uh, yep. Uh, that was about it. One day they said, they said to me, you're no longer uh, Mr. X, you're now Dangerous Danny Davis. I hope everyone's enjoying my interview with Dangerous Danny Davis. I'll be back in a jiffy. RJ Painting and Decorating is based in South Shields, Tyner Weir and offer affordable and high quality services. Those services include plastering, wallpapering and removal, painting, coving, sanding and skimming, dado rails, picture rails, even floor and property maintenance. They also offer a free quote. They are fully insured and have been DBS checked and have received several five-star reviews on Yelp. For more information on RJ painting and decorating and their high-quality services, including pictures of their work, check out the link below the show. With the uh, first two WrestleManias around that time, 85, 86, before you uh, fully oh, turned into okay. heel referee Danny Davis, um, you were pulling double duty as Mr. X and as a referee. So was there any... Yes. like? Were you a part of the ring crew at that point, or was there oh, yeah, a disappointment yeah, I, that you weren't refing a match? So the first two, I was. Uh, uh, well, I did. <laughs> I did a lot of things. I did whatever they asked me. I did some concession work. Yeah, I would bring concessions into the building. I would referee, and I would wrestle as Mr. X, all in the same, you know, at the, at the, at the same time. Uh-huh. And uh, and yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, I was I was uh, pretty much. Chief Cook and Bob, whatever they asked me to do, I did. You know, <laughs> not that I was, you know, a dark match, you know, with nobody, the TV cameras weren't on and they were just getting their, their uh, lighting and stuff like that. That's what the dark match was for, to, you know, entertain the people uh, while they get everything set. And then, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, that was about it. Yeah. Well, so I was involved in that. Yeah. From I went through, I think I was in all up to eight or 10 of them I was in. Yeah. You know, as, as, as a uh, different. Uh, characters, but Danny Davis and Mr. X, I think I was about 10 of them. 
Yeah, you were, and and well, um, maybe even more. I think you were eleven as well. Um, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, I, I do. I do remember you wearing the long uh, black and white zebra shirt. In you know, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. I'm not going to be that guy, that nerd, that like corrects you on things like. Apology. No, no, please, I, because you know, I, I really don't. I don't recall, and maybe yeah. I should just say that. But I, I try to give the best answer that I can. And if you know that I now I've learned something. Now I know I was in WrestleMania 11. Also, oh, there you go. <laughs> um. So, something that you may not know as well is the first uh, WWF show that was shown in the UK um, on ITV, which took over World of Sport at the time. Um. Yeah. It was hosted by uh, Gene Oakland, but they also brought in... Well, Alfred Hayes was already there, but in the UK he was called uh, Judo Al Hayes. So they actually called yeah. him that on WWF television. And the first show that they um, shot... Like, the first matches that they showed on that UK show was the Boston Garden show where Savage won the Intercontinental title. Um, yeah. So a lot of people in the UK, some a lot of their first exposure to WWF television will have been you as a referee during that match. Um, really? Yeah, wow, I'd, that's, a, that's I'd, a fascinating. I'd imagine so. So, were there were there long term plans at that point for the heel turn? Because it was a very slow burn, which is something you couldn't really do anymore now. Um, yeah, well, that's that. That was the key back then. Yeah, it was a slow. You could you could run for years on, with the same guy. Yeah, but uh, no, I don't think it was in the in the works then. It could have been at the beginning of it because that was pretty much. It could have been. I can't. I, I can't really re recall that it was any. There was any talk of it, mm -hmm. you know, up, up until that point. It may be plans because they don't confide in you what they have yeah. in mind until they they see because they have a they have a, a meeting uh, before every TV and what they're going to develop, and how they're going to, and they do that at the Titan Towers and stuff like that. So I mean. Uh, WWF towers and yeah, and uh, then they then they go ahead with it and they they just take it to the side and say this is what we want you to do and then they go with it. If it works, it works because they're going to be very careful. They don't want to tell the guy they're going to push him, and then uh, he's not capable of handling it. Stuff like that. So yeah. they're very careful of how they invest their money and into who and what characters they're going to build and stuff like that. Back then, especially because you know they don't want to. Uh, do anything to uh, damage the uh, the product, you know. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. so they don't come right up to you, and unless you know circumstances, you know, uh, dictate that they do that prior to uh, having having an angle or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the Savage Santana match, I'm guessing maybe that's something that doesn't uh, stick strongly in your mind sort of thing because you weren't, no, no. you weren't necessarily healed during that match. You just made a bad call because you didn't catch Savage hitting him with the brass knuck, So <laughs> Oh, yeah. yeah that, that's, well, now that you mentioned it, someone else asked me that the other day about that match, and I said absolutely nothing. <laughs> I said nothing. And that's my story, and I'm going to stick to it. <laughs> so there was certainly no suggestion of the, even a suggestion of the, the, the heel turn as a referee at that well, point. Well, see, that, that was, yeah, I think that was the see if I, see, they, they, they test you. Yeah. They want to know, they, they, you know, without you knowing, they'll tell you to they'll ask you to do that, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, turn a blind eye to it. Don't make sure you don't see it. Da, 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 da. And they, they watch you and they watch it closely and see how you react, see how, see how you do it. If you do it well, or you, you just, you know, uh, do it poorly. 
And then they go from there. So it could have been somebody said, have him do this and see what he does, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So the the, the big um, real turn, I guess, was when the Hart Foundation won the tag titles from the Bulldog. And I, I still, right. uh, from the Bulldogs, and I love watching that now because for the, the heat in the arena was palpable when the Hearts won the tag titles. So was wow, it? yes. That, that put a lot of, that put a lot together, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, right then and there, you know. And we, we did uh, TVs like three weeks in a row at one in one building, mm-hmm. you know, that weren't. And they were all live. But uh, then the next TV I came out as uh, Dangerous Danny Davis with Jimmy Hart and my regalia and stuff like that. Amazing. So and, uh, at, at that time, um, was did Jimmy want to manage you? Because he made this suggestion suggestion to uh, Judy Martin and Leilani Kai uh, to become the Glamour Girls, like to um, change the presentation and, you know, um, sort of, I guess, move the times a little bit as well. But he wanted to be their manager. Did he suggest being your manager or was it kind of um, a pairing that was decided upon? Well, again, he, he managed... Uh, Brett and Jim, yeah. you know, so it only made sense that uh, for me to do the favor for the Hart Foundation that Jimmy would be my manager too. So I think that just went with the with the story, you know. I mean, to change uh, managers wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Um, so I assume that I assume they approached Jimmy. I never asked him, and he never told me. I assume that they asked him would that be all right with him. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so do do you have um, any memories of the uh, the segment where Gene Oakland visited the Heart Foundation Towers? Yes, yes. <laughs> that I was so fun. It was so they, ridiculous, but so fun at the same time. <laughs> they made a VHH, VHS tape of that, which I, you know, which would I still have. I mean, I should. I, but yeah, that was uh, that was in New York City. Yeah, I remember they they came and picked us up in a limousine and they brought us up to. A, to do uh, an office building up there, and we made some phone calls, and yes, yes, I remember that. So we distinctly, yes. Were there any particular plans, or were you just making it up as you were going along? Because it, it looked- just yeah, yeah. In them days, there was no uh, there was no script in those days. Everything was uh, off the cuff. Everything was uh, ad libbed. You know, so we were, you know, and when you're in that business, you know what to say, you know how to deal with it, and, and what you know what to do. And it was usually one take. Yeah. You know, and uh, they aired it. You know, however it came out, that was it. So you did the best job you could. And that was part of being uh, uh, put over. That was part of being your, your persona. If you couldn't do that, if you couldn't do interviews and stuff like that, then they would kill it because, you know, they need – and that's why Jimmy – like I say, Jimmy bailed me out a million times with my, my interviews and stuff like that, you know, and that's probably why they, they put me with them. What did uh, did you purposely keep your interview short uh, or your uh, your answers short, sort of thing? Um, like yeah, talk, yeah, the, or the smart ass guy, yeah, yeah, like, you know, <laughs> the breaks, you know, stuff like that, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. See, one thing I loved about Dangerous Danny David, the you know, as a as a wrestler, was the smug heel, um, you know, face mannerisms and stuff like that. Was that something that came naturally, or was that something that, that came you... naturally? Yeah, you know, <laughs> being a street kid, you know, and I tell the story almost every interview that comes out, but I tell the story where you know I'm a street kid, you know. Uh, uh, I'm a pretty. I was a pretty tough guy, and uh, so usually <laughs> it was pretty. It came natural for me to be you know, talk tough, you know. And uh, 
and not be tough. You know what I'm saying? It's just yeah. a different side of me that, that and it came natural because I could be smug and because I've I lived in the streets. A lot of guys grew up to you talk tough, push you know, pushing people around, stuff like that. It turns out, you know, you could beat up my sister, but anyway. <laughs> and I, Don't want to mention any names or anything, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people would, you know, they'd say, oh, I just want to see you just one time. You know, and nobody really uh, uh, buried me. You know, I mean, yeah. they never really, you know, took me took me out, out because, but that would have been the end of it. But, you know, I always got my ass whooped at the end and, and uh, that, they were happy with that. And, and, you know, and I would come back the next week and the next opponent, and I'd say, yeah, you can't be, hey, I'm going to do to you, you know, and all this stuff. And, <laughs> and then, of course, they knew I was full of beans, but they never were sure, you know, so, <laughs> so, so it kind of worked in that respect. What What was the worst injury you ever received, if uh, any? I, you know, we all have injuries. I think the worst one I was when I had a concussion, Yeah, uh, pretty bad concussion, and uh they, they made me go home, and I didn't want to go home, you know, because I wanted to finish the tour. And uh, 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 But they they got me aside and said, you've got to go home. Yeah. And uh, that was about the worst one. I mean, I've had, you know, dislocations and, and uh, stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, it comes with the territory, you know, and that's why today I, when someone, you know, looks at me and, and I'm acting a little strange. I just say, you know, I, 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 I just say, look, that's that's called the turnbuckle blues. <laughs> My husband bounced on the turnbuckle one too many times. You know, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm guessing the the concussion must have been bad because back then, I guess concussions weren't taken as seriously as they are now. Um, yeah, that was pretty. Well, what happened was I was at a TV and a guy wanted, you know, a spot, and uh, Jimmy Hart said, "Don't do it." And I said, "Well, I'm going to give the guy a spot." And what he did is. He landed on my head. And knocked, you know. oh. <laughs> I shouldn't have done it. I should have listened to Jimmy. And, uh, so, but I didn't. And the guy, you know, uh, you know, he was green. He didn't know what he was doing, obviously. And yeah. I just, you know, I know how it felt to be uh, doing jobs and stuff like that. And if he was from the town. And I said, all right, I'll give you the spot. I'll let you do it, you know. Yeah. And everybody said, don't do that. Don't do that. Because it was televised. <laughs> oh, and, uh, so it did make TV then? Uh, yeah, I think it did make TV, yeah. I mean, uh, you knock me out, kind of, and I get up, when I, being a street kid, you know, I get up anyway and did the, did the moves and stuff like that, but they knew I was, Jimmy says he's out, he's knocked out, so they they got oh. me out of this, They tag, I tagged out, and you know, oh. the finish was supposed to be different, but they just did the finish on the guy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, around um, around that time, everything was building up to, um, of course, WrestleMania three. Um, was there must have been disappointment that Dynamite Kid wasn't um, fit enough for there to be a tag title match at the event? Um, was when were you told that it was going to be a six man tag, or was it actually planned a, a lot earlier than that? Because you know, you're um, you were heavily involved in the storyline at the time as well. You know, you screwed Tito over, you screwed the uh, Bulldogs yeah. over. So it just made sense that you were going to be there. But was it always going to be in a match um, situation? The six man, you mean? Yeah. Well, as far as I knew, yes. Okay. I mean, I wasn't told any different, even though he was he was uh, sick. That, that I didn't know that he wasn't going to be in a match. Uh, that it wasn't going to be a six man. I thought it was always promoted as a six man. Okay, and there's a, I, I guess it probably was because that that it's one of those things when you hear different rumors and all that kind of thing, um, and you never really know. So like you know, um, 
That's that's very interesting. So, like, I, I guess, did you expect at the time to be the one to get the pinfall? Um, because that, I mean, that is um, heat. That is, um, you know, that, that's huge. Yeah. No, I didn't. They didn't tell me until uh, just before. Well, before we went out, they, you know, they said uh, they told me just before you and went then, out. Yeah. Well, you know, a couple of minutes before. Okay. We went no, out, still yeah. though, that's so, that's crazy. That it was that yeah. far in advance. Well, yeah. I, it, now it goes back to, to the beginning of our conversation. You know, I mean. You live your dream. And yeah. I worked hard. I worked so hard. I worked so, so hard for that. Yeah. You know, my worth ethic was on. I was self-confident. And I showed up at every event. I worked my butt off. I did what they asked me to without question, you know, and I was willing to do what I had to do and to go out there and then, you know, get a win at WrestleMania 3. And it was the biggest, biggest crowd in history. Yeah. So that put a, that put a topping on the cake. I mean, how can you beat that? And it's, here I am, a street kid, you know, not too long ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it, it, the book is so important, and it, it, it brings all this out. Uh, and it, you can't describe a feeling like that to anybody other than somebody that has achieved a dream or, or really lived a dream and more tired for it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, that I, I know I just, it's just amazing. It's just, uh, one of the kids say, awesome. <laughs> as the kids would say today, and it's not. There's no other feeling, like, and you can't describe it to anybody. No, I, I yeah, I, I can't even because that is. Would you consider um, with in your professional career, WrestleMania Free to be the pinnacle? Yes, mm. yes. I mean, you can't. You, there's nothing. What's after that? You know, <laughs> what's after that? I mean, really. That's. I mean. It was great. No, no. It was, I'm not putting anything else down. Yeah, oh, it no, was but, all but, great. Yeah. It was all great. The times that era was great. It was the top of. The, it was. It was the. Never been anything like that again, and there never was anything before that. And you lived in that time. You and you were part of something that was so big, and so enormous, and so great. It, it, it's just indescribable. You, and nothing's going to take that. Nothing can ever take that away from you. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I would never do anything to disgrace it anyway because I'm so proud, you know, and I do have pride. Yeah, and again, I'm such a big fan of that time, so it really is an honor to um, be able to chat to you about uh, some of this stuff. Um, well, but- you see, you, you're the people, guys like you, people like you, the fan, a fan, an ex fan, or whatever you, you're the greatest, man. You're the people who keep us alive. You're the people who, when we go to these, these wrestle comms, all the WrestleManias, when you show up and you, you stand in front of us and you're looking for an autograph and a picture and say, I remember you, man. I hated you, man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, just, it's just so uh, amazing, that the, the knowledge. And they're not always older people. They're young kids who educate themselves, yeah. who come up to you and say, you know, I wish wrestling was like that today. I wish wrestling like, was like that today. Man, you guys were great. You know, it's, it's such, a, such a pleasure. And, and, and to, to uh, even have an opportunity to write a book, and it's kind of given back for me. It's kind of given back to the, to you, fans like yourself, and fans that that supported us through that times, man. That's awesome. Well, I can tell you the first time that I saw you, um, it was the it's my favorite cage match of all time. It's the Hogan Orndorff uh, cage match, the the double finish. <laughs> yeah, I was just talking to somebody today about. <laughs> they asked me what my my last podcast. What was my one of my most uh, 
uh, exciting matches, and that, I brought that up. That was one of the best ones I can remember. Oh, yes. so good. Like, the Saturday night's main event as well must have just been a different level of electricity. Yes, it all was. I mean, yeah. it all was. I mean, everywhere you went, it, it was uh, uh, exciting. It was special. It was amazing. Peep, the fans were, uh, it was so into it. You were into it. Yeah, you went out there and you gave them a hundred percent. You enjoyed. I love watching people enjoy themselves, and, they, and there's no, again, there's no fans alive that enjoy themselves any more than wrestling fans. Believe me, <laughs> that's that's very true. <laughs> um, so yeah, the the thing that I remember was um, you um, you nailed uh, Joey Morella from behind. Um, and, and God rest his soul. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, what was what? Just personal interest. What was Joey like? Like, did you, as a as a referee slash wrestler, were you closer to the referees than a lot of the wrestlers were? Well, it was all the same. We were all one big family. Everybody got along with everybody. Everybody respected each other's, you know, each other as as brothers and sisters, and and that's the way we got along. Yeah. yeah. Did, and did, Joey Morello was a very special person. He was. Uh, yeah, uh, a, a great referee. Yeah, he, he, his, and his father was a uh, gorilla monsoon, as you probably know. Oh, it was a stepfather, and uh, he never, you know, he always worked hard, and he always had, was always there. He always showed up, and he also did ring crew at one point in time, and yeah. and did the stuff that I did, and uh, he would have been, you know, a fantastic referee or or whatever he wanted to be, also because he had that. Same drive, that same work ethic, that work ethic that everybody in the arena had, and it was because of, Gino never did him any favors. He told him to be there, do your job, do the right thing, and and do what they ask of you. And Joey always did that. Did Did Joey um, ever express any interest in following his dad as a wrestler, or even an on air personality as a presenter, or anything like that? Or no, no, no. no. Joey was. Uh, Joey was in the business for to make money, and yeah. and you know that's the way it was. He was unmarried; he was a single guy. Yeah, and and uh, he was just there to do uh, earn some money, oh, make, okay. you know, make a living. You yeah. know, and whatever. Who knows what what he, what he could have been down the road? You know, his his life was cut too short. Yeah, it was really, really. I remember reading about it at the time. I was very young when I read about it, and it was it was yeah. it was quite sad. Yeah. It, it was it was really it was. I, I believe as well that because. The TV tapings being as they were, there were shows that he refereed that were aired after he passed as well. And it's just, you know. Yes. Yeah, yes. That, that kind of, yeah, that's really, it is really sad. But, um, it's unfortunate in the uh, entertainment business that, you know, the show goes on, you know. So with, um, with Dangerous Danny Davis, the, the wrestler, did you decide to wind it down or was it kind of, uh, was it suggested to you or? It kind of wound down itself. Yeah. You know, other things were coming up. Other things were being, the, the wrestling world was going in a different direction. Yeah. Uh, bigger things were happening. You know, the pay-per-views were starting. Uh, you know, uh, the internet was coming around and and uh, it, it, things were really uh, going in a different direction. It was, uh, it was time to end it. You know, it was just time to end it. I mean, it, we, ran, we ran for a good long time. I mean, uh, uh, the Danny Davis, dangerous Danny Davis thing, and the Mister X thing, was a period of you know like, oh, a good long time. I think in eighty two to you know ninety five or something like that. Yeah. 
that's a, you know, that's a long time. You know, that's a long time. It, and it, I was just fortunate enough to be in the right spots, you know. It, it, it's very rare as well for an on-air personality to... Um, because I saw the uh, a couple of the shows as well where you were on TV and you said that you changed your ways as a you know as a evil referee and evil wrestler and you wanted to referee again and you know I think Jack Tony had to take it into consideration and all that kind of thing. Um, but it, yeah. it sort of what would usually happen if someone changed character? I guess they would be off TV for a long time, and then they would come back just clean slate yeah. sort of thing. But this it yeah. was actually there was actually a transition period as well, which kind of it felt real and refreshing because it was acknowledged that you know you wanted to change your way sort of thing so i thought that was pretty cool actually but um I, i'm gonna be interviewing uh sam houston um very oh, soon. she was that's great yeah um and sam has been doing some um some amazing things as well um helping out people uh with disabilities raising money for them and uh all mm-hmm. that kind of thing and um i'm excited to talk to him um and I, I'm guessing you will come up in conversation as well because that was kind of your um, your big feud for a little nemesis. while. Yeah, your yeah, nemesis. Yeah. So how <laughs> how was Sam to work with? And um, great, great, great guy, great yeah. personality, hard worker. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. We we had a good time. We had a lot of good times. Yeah, was I can't the, say anything bad about him. Was the kind of. Uh, um, um, because you know, I think you'd happily admit your that feud was kind of it wasn't a main event feud, but was the kind of like you guys against the world sort of thing in terms of like let's put on the best match that we possibly can and kind always, of always yeah. yeah. Someone told me at the beginning of my career, and I've said this a lot of times, that no matter if there's ten people or ten thousand people, give a hundred and ten percent, and we always went out there and and did that. Yeah. And he he felt the same way. So we did the best we, we could and uh, worked, worked as hard as we could every night. So when you went back to being a referee, did you were you off the ring crew when you wrestled, and then you made, oh, went, yeah. yeah, and then yeah. you went back on the ring crew? No, I, I don't think I did the ring. No. Okay. No, no I just refereed. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So well, um, things have changed. Things have, the dynamics have changed. We didn't do they didn't do uh, those little shows as much anymore and they had a uh, you know a ring truck that you know was much bigger and and they brought in crews and stuff like that yeah so. mm-hmm. um were you specifically because Earl Hebner took some insane bumps but were you specifically used on matches to take bumps when needed sort of thing instead of like the no, joint no, really. and... they were just regular matches yeah I mean there was there was nothing to, you know there was nothing uh, extra in them no Mm. Um, but I've, I've got to ask because like this, this is a big deal for me that um, we're coming up to the 25th anniversary of WrestleMania Nine, um, oh. which kind of makes me feel a little old. <laughs> so fine. Yeah, join the club. <laughs> um, so I love that event, um, and it's kind of an event that I guess it gets overlooked a little bit, but I personally love it. So, do you have? Because you were involved in the uh, the Mega Maniacs match and um, reversed the decision, and uh, Jimmy Hart threw you over the top rope, and um, you know I I can't tell you enough how much I love that event. Do you do you have any particular memories of that show at Caesar's Palace? Oh no, not really. No, <laughs> I've built <no>. it up. <laughs> no, no, no. I just remember I I meant uh, uh, well who Trump. Uh, uh, Donald Trump there. He he was a, he was a guest of Vince's there, and I met him and his his wife and and uh, 
I can remember that part of it. But, yeah. Uh, the rest of it is, you know, through the years. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, so that's... I don't remember specific ones. I've done so many. Yeah, yeah no, I, just... I, I can imagine as well. Like, that's... I can imagine it probably... Yeah, as you mentioned, you know, when... That was right after uh, uh, Caesar's Palace. was right after Andre passed. It was, yeah. It was. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah, that was outside. I can remember the arena and stuff like that. But, but yeah, uh, that's kind of... <laughs> Again, it probably, you know, like you say, probably, you know... Um, as we a, so many. We work so hard, you know. Yeah. That, you know, to, to, to the fans... It was a WrestleMania or whatever it was. To us, it was just another night in the arena. You know? Yeah, I've heard that be said as well. Um, but on the on the show, um, I particularly celebrating that event because again, it kind of gets looked over. But I personally love it, um, and the fact that you were part of that, and even if you don't remember much about it, it's still really cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I uh, took it up on YouTube and uh, maybe relive it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did you? Um, how un- was it uncomfortable wearing the long sleeve shirt with the bow tie refereeing no, under those lights? No, 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 no. no I, I didn't mind it at all. No, no. It got a little warm sometimes in the summers, but then no, it wasn't bad. No, I just, I just did what they asked me to do. You know. Yeah. And and then Vince never let up on the whole uh, tattoo thing because you wore the long sleeves until the end. Yeah, basically. yeah, he never let up on that. And that was the day. Now today, everybody's got tattoos, but they're they're good tattoos. My tattoos weren't; they were junk tattoos. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, like I say, you'd really have to go to YouTube and look at Dangerous. Dan- I mean, uh, Mister X. Yeah, and uh, you'll see that <laughs> they weren't very attractive. They weren't huge. Yeah, but they were just you know they were just bad. You know, and in them days back then, it was just. Vince was so against anything like that, tattoos or ear piercings or, yeah. or anything like that, you know, unless it was your, your your gimmick, you know, then they would accept it. But he really didn't like it. Yeah. So he, he didn't like beards. He didn't like facial hair. Yeah. It was a big, it was just different back then. He wanted everything clean cut. That, that, I guess when you're that rich, you can be eccentric and want really weird things, I guess. <laughs> That's right. Well, there you go. <laughs> I used to say, what's the matter with them? <laughs> um, so after after 95, um, did you just retire at that point? Or were there any... Yeah. What was the decision behind that? Was it just it had been long enough? For... No, I just had enough. I had enough traveling and stuff like that. And, yeah. And I, I just... I, have, I, I fulfilled my dreams... Uh, in that respect, and you know, I sat down with myself and I said, "There's got to be something more I can do." And I went out and I got into construction and uh, I did some did some work with uh, got licenses to operate machinery and and now I'm writing a book. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you feel that you was... know you, you got to think you got to have more. There's more to life, and it's hard for a lot of people to fall from grace, as it were, from yeah. wrestling. You know, being a superstar recognized everywhere and then to go back my first job this this is interesting you know was was a menial job when i got out of wrestling and yeah. uh, i just looked for for things that i needed to do in my life that you know i was still young i still had a lot of life left in me and there were things that i wanted to accomplish or at least attempt to accomplish and and fulfill and that's what i did and i just i've been doing it since so uh and now I'm writing a book. So, you know, there's other things. It's, it, it never, uh, I never want to stop uh, having dreams. I never want to stop going to, to do dreams, accomplish my dreams. I always want something more. 
And that's it goes back to what we said, how hard it is to do all that stuff. But it's 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 just one thing leads to another, and you can be successful at a lot of things. So that was awesome. Like sort of, at the I'm guessing at the time, um, you had the foresight to really know that it you know it wasn't going to last forever. And did you, did you make a conscious right. you made you made a conscious decision to get out before it was too late? I guess or. Like, well, no, not too late, but I, I, you know, a lot of guys hung around and became agents, and a lot of guys hung around, and, and, and you know, and there was, they're still there. Yeah, was there ever that, there, you know. was there ever that, that offer for me? Because, um, were you ever offered to become an agent or maybe a trainer or something no, like that? No, 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 no one ever made those offers to me. I, I wouldn't have taken them anyway. I just wanted, I, I, I can't, uh, as you pointed out, you know, I've what I accomplished. And in that time was was something special. Yeah. And uh, I, I there's some there's uh, there's other things you know that you have to do when you leave there. It's not as glorious. It's not as glamorous and, and whatever. But there are other things in life that you you need to do, and, and uh, you still have a lot of life left in you. Yeah. And to stop there and just you know hang out there was not for me. I, I you know after after that uh, part of my life. I knew that that was over, as you put, just pointed out, and there was more for me to do after wrestling. Yeah, at, at, the, at the time as well. Um, I guess you can't you can't really foreshadow how big nostalgia would get. Like, sort of, um, was there a, a period in the last like ten fifteen years where sort of you know it it seems like the the conventions and everything have obviously really taken off and um, you know isn't that something yeah yeah, yeah it, well, it, I thought it was done you know I thought it was done and then I started getting calls where you want to come to a convention yeah well at first I said no to a lot of them yeah yeah I'm out of that I said you know did it surprise then, you how did it surprise you how big they were when you started doing them yeah and yeah. yeah I couldn't believe it and again like I said earlier. The people who remember, who wanted to see me, who lined up for autographs, and and then the books came out, the Legends books, you yeah. know, and I meant all three of them, you know, as a referee and a wrestler in some of them, and I I, I had no idea, yeah, and these fans, I'm, and I go, it goes back to fans again. I know I keep repeating <laughs> it, but these fans are they're they're great, they're just fantastic. Uh, well, something that went, uh, and again as a collector as well, something that went a long way to really build up. You know, the I mean, the WWE Legends brand for one thing, and certainly the nostalgia in general was um, the classic superstars action figure line. And uh, you uh, received a, an action figure. You became a referee yeah. in, Dol- in Dolph. Yeah, I was a referee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't call them dolls; they're action figures. Um. <laughs> yeah. Now, the the uh, what happened was I got the contract with them with uh, Jack Pacific out in California, and then. I guess WWE went to a, a different uh, producer of the of the um, the, did, the, yeah. uh, the figures, and uh, uh, they never got in touch with me for to to uh, to have them have them made by them. I, see, I, f- I think it'll happen. I was supposed to have I was supposed to have a, a doll come out a doll uh, <laughs> a, a figure a figure come out where they would have clothes where I could change. Uh, and it, it was being, a, in fact, I they sent me a picture of the prototype and stuff like that. And then when it switched over, everything everything stopped there. So oh, that's uh, ex- that maybe that's ex- yeah, that was yeah, that was that was uh, pretty pretty much a blow to me. Yeah, because I worked hard at it, you know. 
Mm -hmm. No, see, uh, that's that's exciting if you're allowed to show that picture. Um, <laughs> I may have yeah. to. So, so uh, you know, after that, uh, the I guess I don't know who who's doing them now, but they they didn't they never contacted me, so I figured you know I I just leave it be. It's I still have a couple of them around. You can still buy them online. Yeah, that's awesome. See, my understanding of it was that um, Jack's like independ Pacific. independently yeah. signed legends to their contracts and then since then WWE saw it as a, an opportunity to have their own branding of legends as a brand and they right. are sort of um, I think they give permission now on whoever's signed under a legends contract then gets a figure instead of you know because the classic superstars line at the time you know I'll, I'll not bore you about toys um, but um, right. you know but that line got really deep in terms of the names that they used and yeah. Um, yeah. I love that there was that there's a dangerous Danny Davis figure and I have it on display um, <laughs> <laughs> you have it on display, yeah? Oh, of course I do. Of course I do. I've got it next. Right. To, I've got it right. next to the Heart Foundation. I'm looking at it right now. It's next to the Heart Foundation, and it's it, <laughs> it's in between. It's in between the Bulldogs yeah, right. and the Heart Foundation. So I'll send you a picture of it. But um, yeah, so um, when did because uh, you were at uh, WrestleMania 30, um, which was a, a wonderful surprise. Yes. I love that. Yeah. So was that the the start of WWE reaching out to you again, and was that the start of you having the Legends deal and all that kind of thing? Uh, Legends deal was made before that. Okay, uh, a few okay. years before that, and uh, uh, I went down for I don't know three of them, four of them, I think, eight, twenty eight, twenty nine, yeah, and thirty. And I think I went to, uh, yeah, I think I went to 31. But anyway, yeah, and then they, they haven't called me in a couple of years, and uh, uh, I don't know what happened. Or, and and that, it doesn't bother me. You know, it's just another, uh, I'd rather go to an independent, like Scott Wilder Promotions, which is where I'm going to be uh, in April on the 6th, 7th, and 8th. We're going to be yeah. in New Orleans at the, Con uh, uh, yeah, the WrestleCom that he's holding, and I'm going to release my book there. As a matter of fact, it's going to be released there, and it's going to be the first time my first autograph sessions for my book right there in, in New Orleans at WrestleMania weekend. That's awesome. At, I, at, I uh, saw the video. The That's all. And there will be links below the show as well. I saw the video of the announcement. Right. Um, right. So yeah. So you know the fans out there in England. I hope that they're as good as the fans. That, over here in the United States and, and uh, buy my book and help us reach our goal. Now, I don't know what $3,000 is in your money in pounds, but, uh, you know, we need all the help we can get, I guess. Um, <laughs> and there's some really cool, um, you have... And if not, I'll have to come over there, Pablo, and visit you and uh, take it out of your hide. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got some uh, really cool um, um, items for, um, as rewards as well, um, 8 by 10s of... Uh, is it from different aspects of your career? So you've got the referee, eight by yeah, ten. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes, they are. Yes, that's yeah. really good. And you've got yeah. the Mister X eight nice by things. ten. There are some nice things there, and uh, you know, uh, I hope that the fans enjoy them. You know, and uh, I do what I can for the fans. You know, uh, because again, I I I love them, man. They've you know taken care of me throughout my career, mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're awesome. They're always awesome, and they're still awesome today. Well, I really, really appreciate the fact that you took some time out to 
um, be able to chat to me. The book is available, um, well, it's not available yet, but if you visit kickstarter.com forward slash projects, well, actually, there must be an easier way to <laughs> find, I will post yeah, a link. You just, you just, just go to dangerousdanadanas.com. There you go. And there's a link on there for the, for the podcast. Yes. Cause I the, mean, for the Kickstarter, I'm sorry, for the Kickstarter. And, uh, you can go to like me on my uh, Facebook page at Dangerous Danny Davis, and I'll communicate with anybody who wants. That's why I communicate with my fans. So if you want to go there and like me and then send me a message, that's great because I'll get back to you. I'll write you a little message, or I'll even give you the website again, and uh, you can share all this information with uh, all all your friends on uh, Twitter and and Facebook, you know, and let them know that I've got a book out and where they can get it. That is great. Yeah, I'll be, you know, there's still, like I said, there's 18 days to go, but I will be, I, it, whatever I can do to help uh, push this in my own way, then I will be helping as much as possible. But um, That's great. That's great. That's all I can ask. Yeah, and I, I can't wait to read it as well, because Kenny is, I, I know how talented he is, and we get along as well, because he's a big action figure collector as well, so we do um, we do connect uh, on that line. Uh, you know. Do yourself a favor, Pablo, don't spread that around too much, you're getting trouble. <laughs> you and him are friends. <laughs> <laughs> ah, he's a good, uh, he's a good man. We love, we love him. Um, <laughs> um, well, again, thank you, Danny, for doing this, and um, we... We may have to do part two after the book's out because I I would love to actually interview you after the book's out and um, you know. Hey, listen, I'd be pleased. It would please me a lot for you to call me. <laughs> See, that's okay? and, that's and the best way. Know when you want to, and let me know when you want to do it, and brother. I, I guarantee you we'll have a good time. That's awesome. See, that's the best way to make uh, negotiations on air. So that, that now there's, right. a, there's a verbal contract. Now you and, me to it. Yeah if, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if Danny backs out, then, you know, that's because he's a heel referee and uh, you should. That's right. That's right. I go into my heel mode. Look out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Danny, thank you very much. And we'll talk again soon. Right, my friend. Good night. Thank you. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.